All right, so every day we make decisions. The truth is we make like about 35,000 decisions in our waking hours. Isn't that incredible? Now the researchers at Cornell University, they tell us that 226.7%, almost uh, 227 rather, uh, decisions of a day are very, very important because they have to do with how we're eating and what we're eating. And so those are critical kind of decisions. Now, you know, we, we have decisions that we make and some of them are good decisions and sometimes we make some bad decisions. A lot depends on the input and the data that we put into the decision which we're going to make. Uh, last Sunday, I think, I'm waiting for the results, but I think I made a bad decision. I was uh, coming to... to to worship and um, come down Resources Road and I get to the intersection of Resources and 100th Ave and the light was red and so I stopped. Now I don't know if you've ever done this if you've noticed but when you stop on Resources and, and 100th Ave the lights above you get blocked by the front of your vehicle. Now you can kind of see the one on the side but these ones up here are blocked and what, what you do see are the lights on 99th Avenue. Here's the problem. The lights on 99th Avenue turn green six seconds before the ones on 100th. And so I'm stopped and then the light turns and so I drive and as I drive I see the flash. And I thought, what did I do wrong? And then I remembered my data input was probably wrong. I think once again I was looking at 99th Avenue. So, and so the decisions we make so often, what we put into them, it's critical. If we get good input, good wisdom, a good decision comes. If we get poor wisdom, poor input, then out of those 35,000 decisions, some of them, maybe most, will be Poor decisions. So Liam and I, we are going to talk to you today about the input of decisions, about the wisdom that we need to put into our decisions in order to make them good. And so Liam's going to begin by reading the passage for us. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by the deeds done in humbleness that come from wisdom. But... If you harbor bitter envy and selfishness, ambition in your hearts, do not boast or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy, envy and selfishness, ambition, ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil deed. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of good mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who plant in peace gather harvest a harvest of righteousness. Amen. Thanks, Liam. So the passage begins, really the whole thing is talking about where do we find wisdom? And he opens up there in verse 13 by saying, who is wise and understanding among you? Now what you need to understand is that this is not just a, a compounding and a compiling of words. They actually, there's some unique nuances for these words between wisdom and understanding. Now Miriam Kovalenshine, who I've mentioned to you many times, one of the commentaries that I'm using for this, she says a couple of things. She said the first thing is this idea of wisdom, what it wants us to do, as James Wright says, the Holy Spirit wants us to think back to the Old Testament. 
Because throughout the Old Testament, what we see in the Psalms and in particular in the Proverbs is this definition of wisdom. And it's a familiar phrase. It says, the begin- fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so what James wants us to do when we see that wisdom verse in the stand, he wants us to drag back this idea that we had from our Old Testament reading about the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom. So what does it mean to fear the Lord the beginning of wisdom? Bruce Waltke uh, really helped me out with this. He said, here's what you need to understand about the wisdom literature and the wisdom of the Old Testament. The idea is that God has set up the world and God has set up the life to run in a particular way. And by and large, overall, in general, if we follow the way that God has set the universe and our lives and the world to run, then things will go a lot smoother than if we're constantly fighting against the way that God has set things up. And so the idea of fearing the Lord is to understand that God has set up this system. God has shown us how to live life to the full. And to the degree that we're able to go into that flow of how God has done it, To that degree, we have success in life. That is the fear of the Lord then, is to live life in the way that God designed life to be lived. That's wisdom. Understanding really has the idea of being useful. It's the idea that when we come into life, what what are the decisions that we need to make that will make us useful for the kingdom, the decisions that are going to be useful for us to achieve our ideas? It's kind of the put it on the ground part of it. How to be useful. What is going to be useful for the kingdom and useful for my life as I face this decision. So the whole point then of of wisdom and understanding is not so we can write a theological treatise or quote all kinds of scripture. The idea is, can I live my life in a way that suits the system that the Lord has set up? Am I living my life in cooperation with the way that God wants things done? And thereby the decisions I make will be useful. And then he goes and sets up a contrast between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. Verses 14 through 16, as Liam read, have to do with the wisdom of the world. There's two or three things that I thought about as I meditated on that. Number one is don't underestimate how much the world disciples us. Don't underestimate how much the wisdom of the world, this worldly wisdom, seeps into our being and into our decisions and into our thoughts. I mean, we are saturated by the world's wisdom. It comes to us primarily, honestly, in entertainment. The whole way in which we entertain ourselves and and the media that we consume and the arts that we participate in and all those things, it it sneaks in and there's all kinds of it. There's the normalization of things that that God says are wrong and it just sort of, we get desensitized to it. It becomes normal to us and and before we know it, we begin thinking that way. The songs that we listen to, the slant that news broadcasters put on on the news story and you may be not even conscious of it but, but it shapes us and forms the way in which we think about things, the advertising that we're exposed to, the educational system, all of these things were constantly bombarded by the wisdom of the world. And some of it lines up with God's wisdom and much of it does not line up with God's wisdom. And so the first thing about this wisdom of the world is we've got to learn to discipline ourselves to examine and think about the things that are influencing us. The second thing If you look at those verses, you'll see that the central problem is what James calls selfish 
ambition. You know what that is? It's quite simply putting yourself at the center of the world. We just naturally make ourselves the center of the universe and everybody and everything, including God, has to kind of fit into our story. But the idea is, is that, no, 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 it's not that God fits into our story and other people fit into our story. We are to fit into the story of God. We are to fit into the kingdom of God. Ultimately, James tells us that this wisdom, this selfish ambition, this putting us at the center is demonic. That sounds rather harsh, doesn't it? I mean, I'm being demonic. But really the whole idea is that when you are at the center of your life and not God, that's idolatry. And idolatry is demonic. And so the central issue is this selfish ambition. The third thing is, did you notice those phrases, bitter envy? You see, when I'm at the center of my life and I'm at the center of my universe, it's very easy for me to become envious, bitterly envious of those who are ahead of me. One of the easy tests to do is quite simply this. How well do you celebrate the success of somebody who's succeeding where you're failing that you want to succeed in? How well am I able to celebrate the promotion of somebody else or the success of other people? Or has envy and jealousy crept into my life? The word for envy there actually is the word zeal. Zeal. And zeal can be good or bad. I mean, God is zealous or jealous, right? He has that. It can be a good thing. Jealous for us, God said. We even sing songs about it. He is jealous for me. Loves like a hurricane. I am a tree. Bending beneath the weight of his wind and his mercy. And so this, this, this jealousy, this zeal for us, when it's God's love for us, that's a good thing. The problem is this little qualifier here, bitter zeal. Bitter envy, bitter jealousy. I like what Peter David, New Testament scholar, how he translates this term bitter jealousy. He translates it this way harsh zeal. Harsh zeal. And the reason he does that is, is, is that sometimes zeal for good things can become bad, zeal for truth can actually become something that is wrong. We're, we're commended for seeking the truth. But once we become hostile towards people that think differently than us, or worse yet, if we go one step further and we hold people in contempt, then that is the end of relationship, that is the end of marriage, that is the end of friendship, that is the end of nations getting along. Contempt is perhaps one of the greatest signs of this bitter jealousy, this bitter envy, this unholy zeal. You know, there's a, there's a lab, they don't do it anymore, it's in Washington, a rabbi used to run this marriage lab and he had, it was just incredible. He would put a couple into this lab and within 15 minutes of conversation, he could tell, I think it was about a 98% accuracy whether that marriage was gonna make it. You know what the sign was? It wasn't how loud they spoke. It wasn't whether they argued or agreed. It wasn't whether they... The issue was contempt. And he would look at signs of contempt, the rolling of the eyes, the dismissiveness, the, uh, the signs of, of, of contempt, not just disagreement. 
And this is what Peter David is saying, that listen, you need to understand, once you get to the place where you hold those that disagree with you, Alan, in contempt, that is bitter zeal, that is destruction, that is demonic, that is the wisdom of the world. Instead, we're to pursue the wisdom of the Lord. We remember from chapter 1, verse 5, that if you want wisdom from the Lord, all you need to do is ask for it, but to ask in faith, and you can go back and look at those things. But where do we get it? There's all kinds of places that the Lord has supplied his wisdom, and we just have to avail ourselves to it. In fact, the most obvious place that God already reveals his wisdom for my life and my decisions is in his word, in the word of God. You know, I have to say that I've had numerous conversations with various preachers over the last few years, and there's this sort of wholesale discouragement amongst preachers. And here's what the source of the discouragement is. The readiness that we have even as Christians, when we encounter something in the word that we disagree with, how easy it is for us to just dismiss the Bible. How easy it is for us to just say, well, you know, they didn't understand, or this or this. How easy it is to set it aside, well, I'm not going to take that piece, I'll take the rest, but I'm going to cut that piece out because I don't like it, I don't agree with it. And yet the Bible is this incredible source of God's wisdom. And as we've said uh, so many times, you know, what we need to do is interpret our situation and the world and circumstances through the word, not the other way around. And to understand that it's the word that interprets us, not us interpreting the word. And so this, this fundamental source of wisdom in the word of God, that if we are in the word and we memorize the word and we learn the word and we study the word and we discuss the word, So much of God's wisdom comes into us. And before we know it, we're just doing the wisdom of God without even realizing it's happening because the word is planted in our heart. Second source of God's wisdom is in God's people, in the church. In fellow believers who walk this journey of faith with us. And here is the critical part. Here's the important part. Here's why the church, the general church, the big gathering of church is important. Because it's absolutely critical we be around fellow believers who think differently than we do. Who challenge my assumptions. Who say to me, are you sure that that's what that means? How does what your attitude is holding here, Alan, how does that line up with what you see? It's so easy when we get into our small groups and our comfortable groups to have people around us that think like us, look like us, in the same demographic of us, read the Bible the same way as all of these different things. It's so easy to gather those folks around us. And before we know it, we're into group thinking. We can end up in a place that is a terrible, terrible place. Just this last week, we've been talking to somebody. And the, the situation is, is, is really rough. And I said, well, this, this person you're having a struggle with, do they have like Christian friends and so on? Like, yeah, they do, but, but they're all people who totally agree with them. And they won't listen to other ideas. It's so important that we get together and we wrestle together through these truths. It's why the body is important. People that we disagree with so that we can wrestle to the truth together and then begin to live this out I bet you 90% of our decisions, God's word can already guide us in it. We just need to do it. But finally, of course, there are those things which are a bit more tricky, where we want a bit more specific direction. And that's where the whisperings of God comes in. Where the Holy Spirit, where we learn to, to hear his voice, can guide us in the decisions that we make.
these is, this is the source of the wisdom that needs to be the input to live our life. So now Liam's going to tell us what you really want to know, and that is how to put this on the ground. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. <clears throat> Let's look at the important words of James 3, verse 17 to 18. Don't be loud and obnoxious. That so-called wisdom does not come from God, but from Satan, who is a liar and a mean angel. Because you show off or try to be better than people, that just causes fights and bad behavior, just what the devil wants and not what God wants. Consider it. It is kind, generous, finds out what others need, and tries to help. You show the kind feelings to people who are hurt or even those who are not. So, if, you, I, if I find someone who is sad or hurt, I will try to do something nice to them. For example... Dad helped me finish my Lego kits when I went away overnight, and I got to try to finish them. Submissive. You obey your parents and teachers and cooperate with leaders and elders, like when I'm supposed to get off of Minecraft education. <laughs> Impartial. You treat everyone the same and are fair to, to everyone, like letting the others take the sports vision I love the most. For example, when Grandma and Grandpa make sure we have both the, sa the, both have the, bo the same amount of screen time when we play at their house. Peacemaker. Peacemakers help others stop fighting and do the right things, not the wrong things. You talk over problems instead of letting fights go down. For example, I will have to work harder not fighting with my sister Catherine when she does things that annoy me. I will not do put downs or accuse her of not doing her homework. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do sometimes accuse her of not doing her homework. That is true. Now leave it off to Alan. <laughs> thank you, thank you. May we all live out this yeah. wisdom. Let's pray together and then the team will come back and lead us in worship. Father, I'm so thankful that you provide us with wisdom all the days of our life. Help us, Lord, to have the courage to live out this wisdom. Help us to set aside the wisdom of the world that so easily infects us. And help us to live out these powerful words as Liam has explained them to us. We pray through Christ our Savior. Amen. <laughs>